13. Yes. Then he drew out his sword, and set upon them hard and fiercely, and by his wondrous force drave them before him, and chased them to the castle gate, and there he slew them. At that came out to him an ancient man, in priest's vestments, saying, Behold, sir, here, the keys of this castle. Then he unlocked the gates, and found within a multitude of people, who cried out, Sir Knight, ye be welcome, for long have we waited thy deliverance, and told him that the seven felons he had slain had long enslaved the people round about, and killed all knights who passed that way, because the maiden whom they had robbed of the castle had foretold that by one night they should themselves be overthrown. Where is the maiden? asked Sir Galahad. She lingered below in a dungeon, said they. So Sir Galahad went down and released her, and restored her her inheritance, and when he had summoned the barons of the country to do her homage, he took his leave, and departed. Presently thereafter, as he rode, he entered a great forest, and in a glade thereof met two knights, disguised, who proffered him to joust. These were Sir Lancelot, his father, and Sir Percivale, but neither knew the other. So he and Sir Lancelot encountered first, and Sir Galahad smote down his father, then drawing his sword, for his spear was broken, he fought with Sir Percivale, and struck so mightily that he clave Sir Percivale's helm, and smote him from his horse, now hard by where they thought there was a hermitage, where dwelt a pious woman, a recluse, who, when she heard the sound, came forth, and seeing Sir Galahad ride, she cried, God be with thee, the best knight in the world, had yonder knights known thee as well as I do, they would not have encountered with thee. When Sir Galahad heard that, fearing to be made known, he forthwith smote his horse with his spurs, and departed at a great pace. Sir Lancelot and Sir Percival heard her words also, and rode fast after him, but within a while he was out of their sight. Then Sir Percival rode back to ask his name of the recluse, but Sir Lancelot went forward on his quest and following any path his horse would take, he came by and by after nightfall to a stone cross hard by an ancient chapel, when he had alighted and tied his horse up to a tree, he went and looked in through the chapel door, which was all ruinous and wasted, and there within he saw an altar, richly decked with silk, whereon there stood a fair candlestick of silver, bearing six great lights, and when Sir Lancelot saw the light, he tried to get within the chapel, but could find no place, so, being passing weary and heavy, he came again to his horse, and when he had ensaddled him, and set him free to pasture, he unlaced his helm, and ingirded his sword, and laid him down to sleep upon his shield before the cross, and while he lay between waking and sleeping, he saw come by him two white palfreys bearing a litter, wherein a sick knight lay, and the palfrey stood still by the cross, then Sir Lancelot heard the sick man say, O sweet lord, when shall this sorrow leave me? and the holy vessel pass by me, wherethrough I shall be blessed, for I have long endured, with that Sir Lancelot saw the chapel open, and the candlestick with the six tapers come before the cross, but he could see none who bear it, then came there also a table of silver, and thereon the holy vessel of the Sangreal, and when the sick knight saw that, he sat up, and lifting both his hands, said, Fair Lord, sweet Lord, who art here within this holy vessel, have mercy on me, that I may be whole, and therewith he crept upon his hands and knees so nigh, that he might touch the vessel, and when he had kissed it, he leaped up, and stood and cried aloud, Lord God, I thank thee, for I am made whole, 
Then the Holy Grail departed with the table and the silver candlestick into the chapel, so that Sir Lancelot saw it no more, nor for his sin's sake could he follow it, and the knight who was healed went on his way. Then Sir Lancelot awake, and marveled whether he had seen aught but a dream, and as he marveled, he heard a voice saying, Sir Lancelot, thou art unworthy, go thou thence, and withdraw thee from this holy place. And when he heard that, he was passing heavy, for he bethought him of his sins, so he departed weeping, and cursed the day of his birth, for the words went into his heart, and he knew wherefore he was thus driven forth. Then he went to seek his arms and horse, but could not find them, and then he called himself the wretchedest and most unhappy of all knights, and said, My sin hath brought me unto great dishonor, for when I sought earthly honors, I achieved them ever, but now I take upon me holy things, my guilt doth hinder me, and shame me, therefore had I no power to stir or speak when the holy blood appeared before me, so thus he sorrowed till it was day, and he heard the birds sing, then was he somewhat comforted, and departing from the cross on foot, he came into a wild forest, and to a high mountain, and there he found a hermitage, and, kneeling before the hermit down upon both his knees, he cried for mercy for his wicked works, and prayed him to hear his confession, but when he told his name, the hermit marveled to see him in so sore a case, and said, Sir, ye ought to thank God more than any knight living, for he hath given thee more honor than any, yet for thy presumption, while in deadly sin to come into the presence of his flesh and blood, he suffered thee neither to see nor follow it, wherefore, believe that all thy strength and manhood will avail thee little, when God is against thee, then Sir Lancelot wept and said, Now know I well ye tell me truth, then he confessed to him, and told him all his sins, and how he had for fourteen years served but Queen Guinevere only, and forgotten God, and done great deeds of worms for her, and not for heaven, and had little or nothing thanked God for the honor that he won, and then Sir Lancelot said, I pray you counsel me, I will counsel thee, said he, never more enter into that queen's company when ye can avoid it, so Sir Lancelot promised him, look that your heart and your mouth accord, said the good man, and ye shall have more honor and more nobleness than ever ye have had, then were his arms and horse restored to him, and so he took his leave, and rode forth, repenting greatly, now Sir Percival had ridden back to the recluse, to learn who that knight was whom she had called the best in the world, and when he had told her that he was Sir Percival, she made passing great joy of him, for she was his mother's sister, wherefore she opened her door to him, and made him good cheer, and on the morrow she told him of her kindred to him, and they both made great rejoicing, then he asked her who that knight was, and she told him, he it is who on with Sunday last was clad in the red robe, and bare the red arms, and he hath no peer, for he worketh all by miracle, and shall be never overcome by any earthly hands, by my goodwill, said Sir Percival, I will never after these tidings have to do with Sir Galahad but in the way of kindness, and I would fain learn where I may find him, fair nephew, said she, ye must ride to the castle of Goth, where he hath a cousin, by him ye may be lodged, and he will teach you the way to go, but if he can tell you no tidings, ride straight to the castle of Carbonic, where the wounded king is lying, for there shall ye surely hear true tidings of him, so Sir Percival departed from his aunt, and rode till even some time, when he was where of a monastery closed round with walls and deep ditches, where he knocked at the gate, and anon was let in, 
and there he had good cheer that night, and on the morrow heard mass, and beside the altar where the priest stood, was a rich bed of silk and cloth of gold, and on the bed there lay a man passing old, having a crown of gold upon his head, and all his body was full of great wounds, and his eyes almost wholly blind, and ever he held up his hands and said, Sweet Lord, forget not me. Then Sir Percival asked one of the brethren who he was, Sir, said the good man, ye have heard of Joseph of Arimathea, how he was sent of Jesus Christ into this land to preach and teach the Christian faith. Now, in the city of Sarah's he converted a kin named Evelake, and this is he. He came with Joseph to this land, and ever desired greatly to see the Sangreal, so on a time he came neither to, and was struck almost blind. Then he cried out for mercy, and said, Fair Lord, I pray thee let me never die until a good knight of my blood achieve the Sangreal, and I may see and kiss him. When he had thus prayed, he heard a voice that said, Thy prayers be heard and answered, for thou shalt not die till that knight kiss thee, and when he cometh shall thine eyes be opened and thy wounds be healed, and now hath he lived here for three hundred winters in a holy life, and men say a certain knight of King Arthur's court shall shortly heal him. Thereat Sir Percival marveled greatly, for he well knew who that knight should be, and so, taking his leave of the monk, departed. Then he rode on till noon, and came into a valley where he met twenty men at arms bearing a dead knight on a bier, and they cried to him, Whence comest thou? From King Arthur's court, he answered. Then they all cried together, Slay him, and set upon him. But he smote down the first man to the ground, and his horse upon him, whereat seven of them all at once assailed him, and others slew his horse. Thus he had been either taken or slain. But by good chance Sir Galahad was passing by that way, who, seeing twenty men attacking one, cried, Slay him not, and rushed upon them, and, as fast as his horse could drive, he encountered with the foremost man, and smote him down. Then, his spear being broken, he drew forth his sword and struck out on the right hand and on the left, at each blow smiting down a man, till the remainder fled, and he pursued them. Then Sir Percival, knowing that it was Sir Galahad, would fain have overtaken him, but could not, for his horse was slain, yet followed he on foot as fast as he could go and as he went there met him a yeoman riding on a palfrey, and leading in his hand a great black steed, so Sir Percival prayed him to lend him the steed, that he might overtake Sir Galahad, but he replied, that can I not do, fair Sir, for the horse is my master's, and should I lend it he would slay me, so he departed, and Sir Percival sat down beneath a tree in heaviness of heart, and as he Saturday on on a night went riding past on the black steed which the yeoman had led, and presently after came the yeoman back in haste, and asked Sir Percival if he had seen a knight riding his horse. Yea, said Sir Percival. Alas, said the yeoman, he hath reft him from me my strength, and my master will slay me. Then he besought Sir Percival to take his hackney and follow, and get back his steed. So he rode quickly, and overtook the knight, and cried, Knight, turn again, whereat he turned and set his spear and smote Sir Percival's hackney in the breast, so that it fell dead, and then went on his way. Then cried Sir Percival after him, Turn now, false knight, and fight with me on foot, but he would not, and rode out of sight. Then was Sir Percival passing wroth and heavy of heart, and lay down to rest beneath a tree, and slept till midnight. When he awoke he saw a woman standing by him, 
who said to him right fiercely, Sir Percival, what doest thou here? I do neither good nor evil, said he. If thou wilt promise me, said she, to do my will whenever I shall ask thee, I will bring thee here a horse that will bear thee wheresoever thou desirest. At that he was full glad, and promised as she asked. Then anon she came again, with a great black steed, strong and well apparelled. So Sir Percival mounted, and rode through the clear moonlight, and within less than an hour had gone a four days journey, till he came to a rough water that roared, and his horse would have borne him into it. But Sir Percival would not suffer him, yet could he scarce restrain him, and seeing the water so furious, he made the sign of the cross upon his forehead, whereat the horse suddenly shook him off, and with a terrible sound leaked into the water and disappeared, the waves all burning up in flames around him. Then Sir Percival knew it was a fiend which had brought him the horse, so he commended himself to God, and prayed that he might escape temptations, and continued in prayer till it was day. Then he saw that he was on a wild mountain, nigh surrounded on all sides by the sea, and filled with wild beasts, and going on into a valley, he saw a serpent carrying a young lion by the neck. With that came another lion, crying and roaring after the serpent, and anon overtook him and began to battle with him, and Sir Percival helped the lion, and drew his sword, and gave the serpent such a stroke that it fell dead, whereat the lion fawned upon him like a dog, licking his hands, and crouching at his feet, and at night lay down by him and slept at his side, and at noon the next day Sir Percival saw a ship come sailing before a strong wind upon the sea towards him, and he rose and went towards it, and when it came to shore, he found it covered with white samite, and on the deck there stood an old man dressed in priest's robes, who said, God be with you, fair sir, whence come ye? I am a knight of King Arthur's court, said he, and follow the quest of the Sangreal, but here have I lost myself in this wilderness. Fear nothing, said the old man, for I have come from a strange country to comfort thee. Then he told Sir Percival it was a fiend of hell upon which he had ridden to the sea, and that the lion, whom he had delivered from the serpent, meant the church, and Sir Percival rejoiced at these tidings, and entered into the ship, which presently sailed from the shore into the sea. Now when Sir Bors rode forth from Camelot to seek the Sangreal, anon he met a holy man riding on an ass, and courteously saluted him. Who are ye, son? said the good man. I am a knight, said he, in quest of the Sangreal, and would fain have thy counsel, for he shall have much earthly honor who may bring it to a favorable end. That is truth, said the good man, for he shall be the best knight of the world, yet know that none shall gain it save by sinless living. So they rode to his hermitage together, and there he prayed Sir Bors to abide that night, and anon they went into the chapel, and Sir Bors was confessed, and they eat bread and drank water together. Now, said the hermit, I pray thee eat no other food till thou sit at the table where the sangreal shall be. There to Sir Bors agreed, also, said the hermit. It were a wise that ye should wear a sackcloth garment next your skin, for penance, and in this also did Sir Bors as he was counselled, and afterwards he armed himself and took his leave, then rode he onwards all that day, and as he rode he saw a passing great bird sit in an old dry tree, whereon no leaves were left, and many little birds lay round the great one, nigh dead with hunger, then did the big bird smite himself with his own bill, and bled till he died amongst his little ones and they recovered life in drinking up his blood. When Sir Bors saw this he knew it was a token, and rode on full of thought, 
and about eventide he came to a tower, where to he prayed admission, and he was received gladly by the lady of the castle, but when a supper of many meats and dainties was set before him, he remembered his vow, and bade a squire to bring him water, and therein he dipped his bread, and ate, then said the lady, Sir Arbors, I fear you like not my meat, yea, truly, said he, God thank thee, madam, but I may eat no other meat this day, after supper came a squire, and said, Madam, bethink thee to provide a champion for thee tomorrow for the tourney, or else shall thy sister have thy castle, at that the lady wept, and made great sorrow, but Sir Arbors prayed her to be comforted, and asked her why the tournament was held, then she told him how she and her sister were the daughters of King Onions, who left them all his lands between them, and how her sister was the wife of a strong knight, named Sir Arpredinwar, who had taken from herself all her lands, save the one tower wherein she dwelt, and now, said she, this also will they take, unless I find a champion by tomorrow, then said Sir Arbors, be comforted, tomorrow I will fight for thee, whereat she rejoiced not a little, and sent word to Sir Arpredin that she was provided and ready, and Sir Arbors lay on the floor, and in no bed, nor ever would do otherwise till he had achieved his quest, on the morrow he arose and clothed himself, and went into the chapel, where the lady met him, and they heard mass together, and on he called for his armor, and went with a goodly company of knights to the battle, and the lady prayed him to refresh himself ere he should fight, but he refused to break his fast until the tournament were done, so they all rode together to the lists, and there they saw the lady's eldest sister, and her husband, Sir Arpredinwar, and a cry was made by the heralds that, whichever should win, his lady should have all the other's lands, then the two knights departed asunder a little space, and came together with such force, that both their spears were shivered, and their shields and hauberks pierced through, and both fell to the ground sorely wounded, with their horses under them, but swiftly they arose, and drew their swords, and smote each other on the head with many great and heavy blows, till the blood ran down their bodies, and Sir Arpreden was a full good knight, so that Sir Arbors had more ado than he had thought for to overcome him. But at last Sir Arpreden grew a little faint, that instantly perceived Sir Arbors, and rushed upon him the more vehemently, and smote him fiercely, till he rent off his helm, and then gave him great strokes upon his visage with the flat of his sword, and bade him yield or be slain, and then Sir Arpreden cried him mercy, and said, For God's sake slay me not, and I will never war against thy lady more. So Sir Arbors let him go, and his wife fled away with all her knights. Then all those who had held lands of the Lady of the Tower came and did homage to her again, and swore fealty, and when the country was at peace Sir Arbors departed, and rode forth into a forest until it was midday, and there befell him a marvelous adventure, for at a place where two ways parted, there met him two knights, bearing Sir Lionel, his brother, all naked, bound on a horse, and as they rode, they beat him sorely with thorns, so that the blood trailed down in more than a hundred places from his body, but for all this he uttered no word or groan, so great he was of heart, as soon as Sir Arbors knew his brother, he put his spear in rest to run and rescue him, but in the same moment heard a woman's voice cry close beside him in the wood, Saint Mary, succor my maid, and, looking round, he saw a damsel whom a felon knight dragged after him into the thickets, and she, perceiving him, cried piteously for help, and adjured him to deliver her as he was a sworn knight. Then was Sir Arbor sore troubled, 
and knew not what to do, for he thought within himself, if I let my brother be, he will be murdered, but if I help not the maid, she is shamed forever, and my vow will leave me to set her free, wherefore must I first help her, and trust my brother unto God, so, riding to the knight who held the damsel, he cried out, Sir Knight, lay your hand off that maid, or else ye be but dead, at that the knight set down the maid, and dropped his shield, and drew forth his sword against Sir Bors, who ran at him, and smote him through both shield and shoulder, and threw him to the earth, and when he pulled his spear forth, the knight's wound, then the maid thanked Sir Bors heartily, and he set her on the knight's horse, and brought her to her men at arms, who presently came riding after her, and they made much joy, and besought him to come to her father, a great lord, and he should be right welcome, but truly, said he, I may not at this time, for I have a great adventure yet to do, and commending them to God, he departed in great haste to find his brother, so he rode, seeking him by the track of the horses a great while, and on he met a seeming holy man riding upon a strong black horse, and asked him, had he seen pass by that way a knight led bound and beaten with thorns by two others, yea, truly, such an one I saw, said the man, but he is dead, and lo, his body is hard by in a bush, then he showed him a newly slain body lying in a thick bush, which seemed indeed to be Sir Lionel, then made Sir Bors such mourning and sorrow that by and by he fell into a swoon upon the ground, and when he came to himself again, he took the body in his arms and put it on his horse's saddle, and bore it to a chapel hard by, and would have buried it, but when he made the sign of the cross, he heard a full great noise and cry as though all the fiends of hell had been about him, and suddenly the body and the chapel and the old man vanished all away, then he knew that it was the devil who had thus beguiled him, and that his brother yet lived, then held he up his hands to heaven, and thanked God for his own escape from hurt, and rode onwards, and anon, as he passed by on hermitage in a forest, he saw his brother sitting armed by the door, and when he saw him he was filled with joy, and lighted from his horse, and ran to him and said, Fair brother, when came ye hither? But Sir Lionel answered, with an angry face, What vain words be these, when for you I might have been slain, did ye not see me bound and led away to death, and left me in that peril to go succoring a gentlewoman, the like whereof no brother ever yet hath done, now, for thy false misdeed, I do defy thee, and ensure thee speedy death. Then Sir Bors prayed his brother to abate his anger, and said, Fair brother, remember the love that should be between us twain. But Sir Lionel would not hear, and prepared to fight and mounted his horse and came before him, crying, Sir Bors, keep thee from me, for I shall do to thee as a felon and a traitor, therefore, start upon thy horse, for if thou wilt not, I will run upon thee as thou standest. But for all his words Sir Bors would not defend himself against his brother, and anon the fiend stirred up Sir Lionel to such rage, that he rushed over him and overthrew him with his horse's hoofs, so that he lay swooning on the ground, then would he have rent off his helm and slain him, but the hermit of that place ran out, and prayed him to forbear, and shielded Sir Bors with his body, then Sir Lionel cried out, Now, God so help me, Sir Priest but I shall slay thee else thou depart, and him too after thee, and when the good man utterly refused to leave Sir Bors, he smote him on the head until he died, and then he took his brother by the helm and enlaced it, to have stricken off his head, and so he would have done, 
but suddenly was pulled off backwards by a knight of the round table, who, by the will of heaven, was passing by that place Sir Colgrance by name, Sir Lionel, he cried, will ye slay your brother, one of the best knights of all the world, that ought no man to suffer, why, said Sir Lionel, will ye hinder me and meddle in this strife, beware, lest I shall slay both thee and him, and when Sir Colgrance refused to let them be, Sir Lionel defied him, and gave him a great stroke through the helmet, whereat Sir Colgrance drew his sword, and smote again right manfully, and so long they fought together that Sir Bors awoke from his swoon, and tried to rise and part them, but had no strength to stand upon his feet, and on Sir Colgrance saw him, and cried out to him for help, for now Sir Lionel had nigh defeated him, when Sir Bors heard that, he struggled to his feet, and put his helmet on, and took his sword, but before he could come to him, Sir Lionel had smitten off Sir Colgrance's helm, and thrown him to the earth and slain him, then turned he to his brother as a man possessed by fiends, and gave him such a stroke as bent him nearly double, but still Sir Bors prayed him for God's sake to quit that battle, for if it befell us that we either slew the other we should die for care of that sin, never will I spare thee if I master thee, cried out Sir Lionel, then Sir Bors drew his sword all weeping, and said, now, God have mercy on me, though I defend my life against my brother, with that he lifted up his sword to strike, but suddenly he heard a mighty voice, put up thy sword, Sir Bors, and flee, or thou shalt surely slay him, and then there fell upon them both a fiery cloud, which flamed and burned their shields, and they fell to the earth in sore dread, and on Sir Bors rose to his feet, and saw that Sir Lionel had taken no harm, then came the voice again, and said, Sir Bors, go hence and leave thy brother, and ride thou forward to the sea, for there Sir Purse of Halibedeth thee, then he said to his brother, Brother, forgive me all my trespass against thee, and Sir Lionel answered, God forgive it thee, as I do, then he departed and rode to the sea, and on the strand he found a ship all covered with white samite, and as soon as he had entered there into, it put forth from the shore, and in the midst of the ship there stood an armed knight, whom he knew to be Sir Percival. Then they rejoiced greatly over each other, and said, We lack nothing now but the good knight Sir Galahad. Now when Sir Galahad had rescued Sir Percival from the twenty knights he rode into a vast forest, and after many days it befell that he came to a castle whereat was a tournament, and the knights of the castle were put to the words, which when he saw, he set his spear in rest and ran to help them, and smote down many of their adversaries, and as it chanced, Sir Gawain was amongst the stranger knights, and when he saw the white shield with the red cross, he knew it was Sir Galahad, and proffered to joust with him, so they encountered, and having broken their spears, they drew their swords, and Sir Galahad smote Sir Gawain so sorely on the helm that he clove it through, and struck on slanting to the earth, carving the horse's shoulder in twain, and Sir Gawain fell to the earth, then Sir Galahad beat back all who warred against the castle, yet would he not wait for thanks, but rode away that no man might know him, and he rested that night at a hermitage, and when he was asleep, he heard a knocking at the door, so he rose, and found a damsel there, who said, Sir Galahad, I will that ye arm you, and mount upon your horse and follow me, for I will show you within these three days the highest adventure that ever any knight saw, and on Sir Galahad armed him, and took his horse, and commended himself to God, 
and bade the gentlewoman go, and he would follow where she liked. So they rode onwards to the sea as fast as their horses might gallop, and at night they came to a castle in a valley, enclosed by running water, and by strong and high walls, whereinto they entered and had great cheer, for the lady of the castle was the damsel's mistress, and when he was unarmed, the damsel said to her lady, Madam, shall we abide here this night? Nay, said she, but only till he hath dined and slept a little, so he ate and slept a while, till the maid called him, and armed him by torchlight, and when he had saluted the lady of the castle, the damsel and Sir Galahad rode on, and on they came to the seaside, and lo, the ship, wherein were Sir Percival and Sir Bors, abode by the shore, then they cried, Welcome, Sir Galahad, for we have awaited thee long, then they rejoiced to see each other, and told of all their adventures and temptations, and the damsel went into the ship with them, and spake to Sir Percival, Sir Percival, know ye not who I am? And he replied, Nay, certainly, I know thee not. Then said she, I am thy sister, the daughter of King Pelinor, and am sent to help thee and these knights, thy fellows, to achieve the quest which ye all follow. So Sir Percival rejoiced to see his sister, and they departed from the shore, and after a while they came upon a word Elpil, where their ship could not live. Then saw they another greater ship hard by and went towards it, but saw neither man nor woman therein, and on the end of it these words were written, Thou who shalt enter me, beware that thou be in steadfast belief, for I am faith, and if thou doubtest, I cannot help thee. Then were they all in dread, but, commending themselves to God, they entered in. As soon as they were on board they saw a fair bed, whereon lay a crown of silk and at the foot was a fair and rich sword drawn from its scabbard half a foot and more. The pommel was of precious stones of many colors, every color having a different virtue, and the scales of the haft were of two ribs of different beasts. The one was bone of a serpent from Caledon Forest, named the serpent of the fiend, and its virtue soft all men who hold it from weariness. The other was of a fish that haunt at the floods of Euphrates, named Erdnex and its virtue causeth whoever holdeth it to forget all other things, whether of joy or pain, save the thing he seeth before him. In the name of God, said Sir Percival, I shall essay to handle this sword, and set his hand to it, but could not grasp it. By my faith, said he, now have I failed. Sir Bors set his hand to it, and failed also. Then came Sir Galahad, and saw these letters written red as blood. None shall draw me forth save the hardiest of all men but he that draweth me shall never be shamed or wounded to death. By my faith, said Sir Galahad, I would draw it forth, but dare not try. Ye may try safely, said the gentlewoman, Sir Percival's sister, for be ye well assured the drawing of this sword is forbid to all but you. For this was the sword of David, king of Israel, and Solomon his son made for it this marvelous pommel and this wondrous sheath, and laid it on this bed till thou shouldest come and take it up, and though before thee some have dared to raise it, yet have they all been maimed or wounded for their daring. Where, said Sir Galahad, shall we find a girdle for it? Fair Sir, said she, dismay you not, and therewith took from out a box a girdle, nobly wrought with golden thread, set full of precious stones and with a rich gold buckle. This girdle, lords, said she, is made for the most part of mine own hair, which, while I was yet in the world, I loved full well, but when I knew that this adventure was ordained me, I cut off and wove as ye now see. Illustration, this girdle, lords, said she, 
is made for the most part of mine own hair, which, while I was yet in the world, I loved full well. Then they all prayed Sir Galahad to take the sword, and so anon he gripped it in his fingers, and the maiden girded it round his waist, saying, Now reck I not though I die, 